Whoa. We made it. I'm Drew here with my sister, Ashley, and my best friend, Derek. And we just got back from July 20th, 1984. The past. Ashley, why were we there? Well, each week we travel back in time to the best year ever to watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe adopt a space puppy over there. But before we get into that, here's a clip. For anyone who's ever imagined a fantasy, believed in a legend, made a wish, or had a dream, (laughs) this is a journey to the (laughs) enchanted world of the never-ending story. An ideal holiday attraction, the never-ending story commences Wednesday at Academy Cinema City. Also, Glenelg Cinema Centre, Chelsea Marigotville, Semaphore and Capri Goodwood. We did well, not go to any of those theaters. Sure didn't. So, as you guessed it, uh, that was the never-ending story. Rated PG. And the tagline is, a boy who needs a friend finds a world that needs a hero in a land beyond imagination. Oof. Wow. Any commas <laughs> or clauses? No, just one run-on sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be more easily summed up as a boy and his giant flying dog, or is it a dog? Um, Based on the poster, which I'm looking at, there is a boy with his arms spread in sort of like a touchdown celebration configuration and riding a um, very dog-like creature through the sky. So that's the poster. Ashley, uh, before we get any further into this, I think you need to explain um, the newest member of the new release family. Well, he's pretty adorable, and he's <laughs> a little—he's a little fluffy, and he can't fly quite yet. We got a space puppy, and oh I'm really God. excited. <laughs> <laughs> what should we name him or her? Is it? Do we know the gender? Um, it has three heads, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> Maybe yes. yet. I don't multiple, know. Multiple genders or, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, fluid. So that's exciting. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll, um, we'll talk about the name later because we don't want to rush into things, but <laughs> it's getting a little, a little aggressive already, but that's okay. It's a lot, uh, a lot of new things to get used to here in, um, 2020. And also in a different galaxy. So, um, right. Ashley, let's let's get to the movie itself. Can you sum this up for us in 15 seconds? Shoot. Okay, Derek, you ready? All right, go. So Bastion's bullied by kids at school. He reads a forbidden book and then becomes involved in this fantasy world where this like brave kid named Atreyu goes on a trek to save the Empress in this world called Fantasia. Atreyu comes across like comes across. Shoot. <laughs> A rock monster, a flying dragon, or dog, and evil creatures. And then they need a human child where Bastion comes back into play and helps save the world of Fantasia by naming the Empress. I think it's a good sign that you actually went over time for once because there's there's a lot lot going on in the movie, but um, just plot-wise. But what I love about this movie, which we'll get to uh, soon enough, is like the how heavy it is thematically so you know obviously you were just trying to hit the the big plot bullet points mm-hmm. but this movie is there's a lot beneath the surface as well um is there did you have a uh, prior relationship or a backstory with this movie Ashley, or maybe movies that are similar to it sure so i watched it growing up but i didn't like it as a child hmm. so i don't know if it really felt never ending to me which i think it did i think i was just bored by it but watching it now, I was like, oh, this is not what I remembered. So, well, I yeah, you it. said you said in the lead up to us watching it, that one thing you remembered was it being super long. It's yeah. a cool hour 26. So <laughs> it just felt like it was like four hours long. And I was like, when is he going to find the Empress? And like never, it seemed like the, never happened as a kid. But. There is, um, you know, you had a terrible attention span as a kid. Um, but yep. that's, that's not uncommon. So there is parts in the middle or the like, you know, latter third, the drag a little bit, but nothing compared to some of the other, uh, like this is basically Conan, but the kid version (laughs) and that movie, their quest, like 
just there was really no emotional investment in mm-hmm. in their quest at all versus this one where you have the the fantasy the quest that's going on in Fantasia and then you have this device of the kid reading the book in um our world but there's this cool merging of of the two fantasy worlds which is honestly maybe um this might have gone over the heads of a lot of 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 like the age group it was targeted at i mean it's empowering it's like the type of story that we um uh, discussed in Last Starfighter, where there's a chosen one, mm-hmm. uh, but this one's you know actually a a young kid age. So I'm sure that connected with kids, but some of the heavier stuff might have might have been lost on them. And um, I and yeah. I think watching movies like this, you don't really realize you don't notice the heavier stuff at all. Like I was just like, oh, that's pretty dark. And I just yeah. didn't even you know with his mom passing away and stuff, I didn't didn't remember that. Um, but as a kid, I watched more like the labyrinth and legend with tom yeah. cruise like baby tom cruise who's like 12 years old and i love well, those, those are pretty dark yeah they're really dark but for some reason <laughs> i was drawn to those more and i'm not sure why but yeah yeah this definitely falls in the the um uh group of willow and princess mm-hmm. bride isn't princess bride like a grandfather reading the story to yeah. fred savage sure is um so i was kind of thinking this did the same thing but this does it way better. And I haven't read the book that this was adapted from, but is there a book within the book in the book? So the book it was adapted from, they only, they, the movie's only half of it. Right. And two of, like, the main scene, like, two of the main scenes in the book or the two of the main chapters are not even in the movie. So. But, but is there a kid reading, reading a, a book, book in the book? The book? I because don't it's, know. it's not like a, it's not a, a gimmick to make it, a movie adaptation it seems intrinsic to the fantasy story like he's reading there has to be a kid reading a story in the in the book like otherwise those themes just wouldn't make sense so yeah so in the story it's the same in the, yeah. um, the novel so i think that's really cool that's what i was sort of surprised by i thought it was more going to be a frame device which is just where you you know slap on a book reading scene at the beginning and the end uh, but it was it was woven throughout and done in a really uh, creative way. So I'm, I'd be curious to read the book. Um, for German? me, is it is it? I'm sure they've um, <laughs> I'm sure they've translated it. But yeah, I'll start with the German version and see how far I get. Um, for me, I had a couple different flashbacks uh, while I was watching this. Uh, while I was watching it today. Um, and when I lived in Denver, I saw a midnight screening of this. This was like five years ago, I guess. And what's that theater that's not the Mayan, but the other, the like smaller indie the theater? Esquire. Esquire, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I saw it there by myself kind of randomly. And it was probably just past my bedtime or something. I don't, I think I remember it being a little bit more of a, a slog, um, but it was much more propulsive today and it remember i had these flashbacks to watching it in a school classroom i'm pretty sure in like elementary or or middle school um i saw this like late afternoon before before school got out um which was uh you know as as i was watching this it just reminded me of how like that could have been a really uh, it was it was a powerful movie. I'm a little emotional after mm-hmm. after rewatching it. Uh, so anyway, Derek, uh, had you seen this? Did you remember this at all? I remembered it. I had never seen it. I just uh, a flashback for me was just coming out in the living room in the house that I was growing up with, and my dad mm-hmm. and my sister were watching it. And I think I sat down for five minutes and then left because I was scared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was really scary. If you're um, if you don't remember what you were scared by then, but you had to guess from what you just saw today, what what do you think? Uh, oh man, the rock monster who yeah. you know in hindsight is really awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it has a big heart. And, yeah, and then that goblin character that flew, uh, that rode the bat. Yeah, it was like a pig bat hybrid with a trapeze. Like he just rode it like right. a circus animal. He, the same way the dog is a cross between a dragon and a dog, the bat had some pig like i don't know maybe maybe giant bats just have the same noses as pigs 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they have the same uh, nose, but yeah. Did you say you have the same nose? <laughs> no. no. Oh. <laughs> Ashley, what was uh, one thing you loved, or if you're a monster, hated about this movie? I'm not a monster. I loved all the creatures, and the set design was incredible. Yeah. Like that's it was. I thought, and I was worried it wouldn't like hold up for some reason because I don't remember liking it as a kid, but it was incredible. Like beautifully done yeah we could um i mean just because we watched for the for the podcast conan's fresh in my mind and conan and <laughs> if you just do side by side screenshots of the sets in in that movie versus this one this blows it away mm -hmm. um, for you know a kids movie versus a serious action movie i mean this is the one that obviously beats it in heart but it also just beats it in practical um terms as as well and visuals did did you read anything about uh the budget for this movie yeah it was absurd yeah it was one of the most expensive movies that had been made right the most expensive movie made in germany okay yeah i, yep. I read something that said like outside of the u.s but yes yeah, so 27 mil is yeah. how much it cost to make yeah and which it, is like and over a year to film okay that's a, is, yeah, like a couple months or so is a trip, typical <laughs> produ mm -hmm. production schedule or not a couple months, like three or four months. Um, so a year is in it, you know, like every more, every day you're shooting past <laughs> that yeah. normal schedule is uh, uh, millions of dollars. So, um, mm -hmm. or adds up to millions of dollars. It, that must have been, that was a big risk for them to take. And, um, uh, we'll talk about the the box office a little more in the report, but for me, um, what I loved about this movie, and I alluded to it just a little bit ago, was how heavy it was. Like mm -hmm. in, in uh, rewatch as an adult, um, I know uh, uh, my friend Jamie. One the one thing she remembered about the movie was uh, the horse dying in the, the yeah. swamp of despair. And there's, um, it's, it's like, uh, it's the metaphor is right on the surface because it's the name of, of the swamp, <laughs> but like the whore, the, the way they set it up is that if you're walking through this swamp, you get to choose whether or not to lose all, to lose hope or not. And all you have to do is keep moving and keep going to not, uh, die and the horse, like actively chooses to just stop <laughs> it's like so sad yeah it's sad but like it was a choice not a um yeah you know like it didn't get it didn't get like trapped it chose i mean that's the way i that's the way mm -hmm. i interpreted it, it um, yeah it took two months to film just that scene by the way what yeah well <laughs> not year. just the horse but like him crawling through the, the swamp no so they had a, like they tried several horses and it was really hard to find a horse that would stand in that swamp and they had to have trainers for like seven weeks try and train a horse to do that scene. Right. To just stand still. Yeah. And like be, to be, well, be covered in like the swamp. Well, yeah. right. And be depressed. Like, yeah, basically. Yeah. Not I mean, try to get a, out. It's not a typical horse like emotion, but right. That was, that was really powerful. The, um, mm -hmm. oh, and that's, that's our first trope alert. Whoop. Oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so you commonly see in movies um, a trope called quicksand sucks. Um, I did some deep research into <laughs> quicksand physics and quicksand stabilizes or immobilizes, but it doesn't like suck you down into it. So it's like it's just a more um, like cinematic way to depict things. And, and they do sort of a, a series of cuts in this movie where the horse is, is up to its knees and then up to its torso and then they just cut away and it's gone mm -hmm. um, tragically. But the way people die from quicksand, and of course it's really rare in real life, but if it does happen, you usually uh, die of um, exposure or dehydration. You don't get like sucked under. So wanted to clear that myth up. And <laughs> um, lastly, on the theme, of uh emotional heaviness the villain the kind of non out of sight villain is nothingness and non-feelingness yeah <laughs> and so Oof. we'll talk about that a little bit more with the characters but it's just like 
Um, yeah, it's pretty heavy stuff. So uh, watch this movie with your kids and, <laughs> and have some tough discussions with them. Uh, Derek, was there anything that, that jumped out at you? I have to say that set design as well. Uh, yeah. that, that swamp was just ridiculously awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if that was not an existing swamp, it, I, it didn't look like it. It was just, yeah. It had to have taken a lot of work to get that that set set up because there was, you know, one foot or, you know, like knee knee high um, mud throughout it, trees, moss falling off the trees, backgrounds. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Atreyu, the uh, the character who was the the hero in Fantasia Land was clear. I mean, yeah, he was crawling through real, real mud and some kind of real or constructed swamp and i'm sure it was like if it took two months for the horse part this kid spent a lot of time <laughs> cold and covered in mud during shooting mm-hmm. so that's that's a, a real trooper uh <laughs> let's let's go to our first proper segment of the day choose your character <laughs> all right so Imagine you're at the arcade and you walk up to the never-ending story game. It's an open-world racing game. Think GTA meets Cruising USA, but don't worry too much about the gameplay. You're going to pick the character that appeals to you that you connect with emotionally or, you know, like on a deeper level than just uh, who's the fastest. So all that said, Ashley, where do you want to start with uh, characters? Oh, and we're going to focus on the non-human characters, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good idea. They're more interesting. Yeah, they're more interesting, and we care about them more. So, um, I'm going to go with Rockbiter. Okay. Um, so he's just a very, very friendly, huge giant that eats rocks, <laughs> essentially. <Yeah. laughs> um, but he has a really big, he has a really big heart, and he all of his from what I understood, like all of his family and all the other rock biters get taken in by the nothing and get destroyed. So he's by himself. And then he stumbles upon some friends in the woods. And he's like, do you, is it okay if I join you guys? And at first he, you think he's going to smash them all, but he's just like very sweet and kind. And then um, towards like the middle slash end of the movie, he does this really moving monologue and it's really sad. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I'll try to uh, prepare myself for it. Don't tear up. I teared up. Um, so they look like big, good, strong hands, don't they? I always thought that's what they were. My little friends, little man with his racing snail, the night hob, even the stupid bat. I couldn't hold on to them. The nothing pulled them right out of my hands. I failed. It's so sad. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes back to the themes. Like it's, it's, um, this is the movie when they when we first are introduced to Fantasia, it starts with him and his his friends. So like he's he's the first um, non real world character that, that we see, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's he's not like uh, I know Derek might have been scared of him as a kid. And he's sort of he's like sort of a clumsy giant. I mean, he's mm-hmm. eating rocks and the rocks <laughs> tumble out of his mouth onto near his friends. But yeah. <laughs> for all the um clumsiness and and strength his strongest feature is his heart yeah and well that's why it's so sad when when he uh (laughs) when he yeah i mean that that piece of writing and you know the the performance uh Mm -hmm. was one of the more like transcendent moments of where the movie becomes more than like (laughs) a fun kids action romp it's it's, hard yeah so (laughs) I felt that uh, I also was so hyped up by this movie that I watched the trailer for never ending story part two and um, minor spoiler. He has a baby. There's a little baby Aww. rock biter. So congrats, <laughs> Ashley. Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to get this out of the way cause I'm not going to pick the Sphinx. Um, but I know you had Ugh. a little tidbit, tit, tit, tit bit or tidbit (laughs) Um, on this there's just out of nowhere in the movie the atreus on his quest he has to go through a series of different you know challenges and gates as one does on any quest and one of them is these uh 
large golden sphinxes that have that whose eyes penetrate your heart. Is that what it says? They can see right can see into your. Yeah, if you're insecure, you die. Okay, yeah, if you're insecure, you die. So Atreyu has to stand up to that. But the distracting part is their large bosoms. Bosoms, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not. You know, they don't like. It's not a passing shot. There's a several prolonged glances from below like kind of from atreyu's vantage point Mm -hmm. they have nipples they are very yeah it's weird um did you what did you read about those yeah well so the writer or the author of the book said that was his the most embarrassing part of the whole movie it's so here like they're full bosom strippers who sit there in the desert he said he was like embarrassed to watch it like that scene i i i couldn't agree more because yeah. it just comes out of nowhere i mean like if the whole movie was like campy and not taking itself seriously but right. i i want to go a step further and talk to i mean obviously a ton of of attention and effort was put into constructing the sets and the creatures and mm-hmm. so that was a choice <laughs> i want to know like was there like a random producer who was like okay let's sex this up was it just a rogue production designer who thought it'd be funny? Is it like in Disney movies? It's way more. But it's more uh, obvious. Prolonged. Than like yeah. Yeah, it's not a. It's not an Easter egg. It's it's no. You know the boob version of. <laughs> well, then he goes to another on another quest, and it's the same Sphinx except for the blue, and it's the same exact thing. So I'm not right. sure did that, but. Um. So I wanted to address that because it was one of the 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 misfires of the movie, but. For my character, even though I love turtles, I almost forgot that there was a giant turtle because that was sort of a, <laughs> a passing um, moment in the movie. Um, we talked about the horse, um, which may or may not have been the inspiration for Bojack Horseman. Uh, <laughs> but keeping um, with our, uh, and of course, the most iconic character from this movie is Falcor. Um, oh, yeah. The luck dragon. Um, or a dog. Yeah, <laughs> he was obviously written as a dragon, um, optimistic, friendly, dignified, helpful, and wise, um, always in the right place at the right time. Uh, original name, Fukur, <laughs> which they yep. thought sounded too much like a uh, expletive yeah. in English, so um, <laughs> they changed it to Falcor. But uh, that's, that's, that's the main thing I remembered from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that aside, I'm going to go with a dog adjacent choice, which is a wolf. Is it called nothing or is it no, not? It's, it's not called nothing. His name is Gamork. Okay. Yep. So there's, it's sort of a misdirection. There's this, Atreyu is being chased and the whole Fantasia world is uh, being threatened by this, this unseen villain called nothing. But when we're watching the movie, we think we're seeing nothing uh, embodied by this wolf. Uh, but the wolf explains when he uh, meets up with Atreyu that his job in Fantasia is to inspire um, uh, people to feel through fear and through, you know, like that's a very powerful emotion. So all he wants, everyone, all anyone wants in Fantasia is for people to feel things again. Mm-hmm. Um, in the real world because like any good child's good kids movie <laughs> the <laughs> the theme is that people have stopped dreaming and don't feel anymore so yeah. <laughs> um, and as the so kid close. is reading the book you know and and sort of like influencing improbably what's happening in the fantasy land he is like an active participant in the book and you know as we learn at the end it's up to the reader to save Fantasia and save imagination for all of humankind. So I really appreciated how nothing kind of uh, laid out in a, in a, in a non like um, forceful way laid out some of those themes. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go with the wolf Uh, Derek. I, I might've already talked about your character. Who, who are you going with? Falcor. Falcor. Why? <laughs> because I'm kind and I'm where I need to be all the time. That's right. To help you out. Yeah. Kind I'm of your, helpful. I'm your good luck, Dragon Dog. 
<laughs> the first time I forgot the uh, first time in Falcor, uh, the first time Falcor and Atreyu, the the hero of the quest, meet is when my character <laughs> is about to devour Atreyu in the Swamp of Despair, mm-hmm. and you swoop in, and uh, Atreyu grabs onto your paw, and and y'all, well, your the dragons have paws. They do in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So another point for the for the dog book. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are those are our characters. Let's head back for a minute to 1984. You just heard the number two song on Billboard Top 100 for the week of July 20th, 1984. Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. So each week when we go back to 84, we... Um, take a little time in our NR84 radio studio to record some headlines from the time period that we're visiting. Um, why not, you know, while we're there. So the big thing that's on the horizon uh, is the Summer Olympics. They are going to be starting up in sunny Los Angeles next week. So plenty more on that. For now, uh, let's do the box office report. It's, we've, got some, we've got some shakeups this week. Ooh. Gremlins has been dethroned. I mean, uh, Ghostbusters and Gremlins have been one and two for the last four or five weeks, and now Gremlins has fallen to number four. Ghostbusters still at the top. And somehow, yet again, we didn't even notice that another movie called Best Defense <laughs> had come out, some kind of comedy spoof. Um, so that was number two. Never ending story. This is kind of this must have been a little worrisome based on the budget that we heard. It it came in at number six with four million, and it was only in um, about two thirds of the theaters as the the top grossing movies. So it must not have gotten the scale of release that they they had hoped for. But there's a happy ending to this never ending story. Um, it would go on to gross uh, about a hundred million. So impressive. Yeah, it it quadrupled its budget and uh, was enough to warrant multiple sequels where they could uh, finish out the book story and then add on to it to mixed <laughs> levels of creative and commercial success, I would say. Um, so that's our box office report for the week. Ashley, did you pick up any um, trades with reviews in them? Sure did. Um, so we have a few reviews. So the never ending story may have cost a mint to reproduce, but the result is bargain basement, which I thought was Whoa. pretty harsh. Yikes. Vincent Canby of the New York Times, not loving that. Well, so they reference, I mean, this movie had high expectations going in because it mm-hmm. was probably like well reported how much money they spent to make it. So yep. people were kind of gunning for it, maybe. <laughs> it's okay. Roger Ebert will come in and save the day. Ooh. He just said this world, the world of this movie looks like a very particular place and the art direction involved a lot of imagination. Simple to the point. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. Did he give a, a star rating or whatever he does? Thumbs up. Cool. All the yep. <laughs> <laughs> At least one thumb up. So <laughs> I was, what was the consensus? Do you have any, uh, I know it just came out, um, but do you have any sort of, idea on on whether it was well received overall yeah overall people are loving it cool so that's probably why it sprung up in the next few weeks in the box office yeah it must have been a a grower not a never never mind um yeah don't did did you have any uh fun trivia for us yeah so we'll do a guessing game so falcor the dragon dog which by the way our audience said 71 percent said it was a dog Ooh, yeah. Forgot so, to ask you about that. Sorry. Um, how long do you think the motorized creature was that they created? Okay. How long movie? in real life was, was Fal- mm-hmm. the Falcor? So, yeah, they kind of show him from a distance in the sky, and then they show him up close, like always laying down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say based on the proportions of the, the Atreyu, the uh, adolescent actor, he was 30 feet. More. Derek, oh. have a guess. Are you going to say like 150? 150. <laughs> <laughs> he was 43 feet long. 
Okay. Which is pretty absurd. It took 25 people to puppeteer him. That's so, incredible. Like, that's, yeah, amazing. Um, and his head alone weighed more than 200 pounds. Holy cow. So it's pretty big luck dragon. Um, let's see. So during the filming of this movie in Germany, it was the hottest summer in 25 years. It was unusually hot summer. So one of the statues of that ivory tower actually mm-hmm. started to melt. <laughs> and then on other days, the crew were forced to shut down production because like the blue backgrounds they used for the mat work refused to operate properly because it was too hot and everything was like melting together. I wonder what's a typical summer like in Germany compared to somewhere that we've summer? lived I think in the hundreds, I guess. Yeah, I mean, enough to melt. Low hundreds. I mean, in, in, in uh, <laughs> Celsius, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts that it was that warm. Um, so as a kid, I did think this movie was pretty long, even though it's not long at all. But Steven Spielberg worked with uh, Wolfgang Peterson on this and cut seven minutes out of this movie. Oh. <laughs> to make yeah. it a bit faster paced, apparently. So I, I, I think it was the, yeah, it was the right length. Uh, 43 feet of film were used coincidentally as, as well. Really? No, I don't know. Oh, I was like, I don't know about that. I was like, oh, that's an interesting fact I couldn't find anywhere. Yeah. Um, no, it was an hour thirty. Like, like we said earlier, it there were a few moments where it dragged, but like other than that, um, I think it was it was perfect. I, you know, seven minutes, whatever, give or take. But um, that's it's Spielberg really had his hands on. And a lot of different <laughs> different productions this this the mm-hmm. in the mid 80s um, yeah and as a thank you he was the um wolf game gave gave him the necklace that atreyu was wearing oh cool I'll yeah which that. is a pretty yeah which is pretty sweet um yeah, and then we want it now i know right uh, and then the child empress i don't know if you guys noticed but she had a little bit of a lisp hmm didn't notice movie. no she was actually very like she, she was incredible she was a great actress yeah yeah i thought she was really good she made me tear up a little bit mm-hmm. um but she lost both of her front teeth right before they started filming. So they had to give her fake teeth for it. So she's like getting used to fake teeth while talking. And that's why she has a little bit of a list. She also doesn't really like show her teeth, if I remember. I mean, you, I don't know if you can tell. Can, um, you, you can, can tell because they look kind of like grown up teeth. Yeah, I didn't notice that. But that's that's interesting. She, The movie sort of climaxes with Atreyu and uh, he finally gets to the Empress, but he can't save her. Mm-hmm. It's going to take Bastion in the real world to to accept the fact that he can influence this fantasy world and that his imagination is so powerful. Uh, human imagination is so powerful that it can like change and create entire other worlds. Mm-hmm. So uh, that the whole climax really landed emotionally. I mean, we're, we're all in our thirties and um, I can see where this movie would be nostalgic, but again i think it almost works better <laughs> as an older person um than i than i even remembered uh wolfgang i also read that this was his first uh english language movie um he would go on to direct things like outbreak and the perfect storm and maybe troy if i'm not mistaken so mm-hmm. yeah uh, a tra- the kid who plays or the actor that plays a tray, you said he was really hard to work with because he was like such a perfectionist and he couldn't mm. really understand a lot of what he was saying. Interesting. So he was I like mean, trying his best. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about the extended swamp of despair scene. I mean, that's not fun for any actor. And and if you're, if it's one of your first roles or you're a kid uh, with an attention span like like Ashley had then. Yeah. And a tray was supposed to be green originally. Like, what do you mean green? Like his whole body, his skin color is supposed to be green. Oh, so not so look tra- like a human. Yeah, so they painted him, and they're like, he just looked like fungus, and so they decided to make him just normal. Yeah, Which makes that's... sense, because I thought he was like a human child, because they're like, we need a human child. I was like, oh, it's Trey, he'll save the day. And he's like, I'm not human. I was like, well, if you were green, it would make more sense. It both but... ways, it makes sense why they tried that and why they abandoned, abandoned mm-hmm. it. Um, that's actually a triple alert. Oh, <laughs> shit. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a thing called adaptational attractiveness where you take a character that's unremarkable or downright un- unattractive in a book and because you have to see them on screen for an hour and a half Hollywood mm. decides that they have to be uh, attractive in this movie uh, the trope was referring to how Bastion was described the actual human boy in the book he's described as plain and fat um, not my words 
the authors, but um, in the movie, he's a, I guess, if anything, he's supposed to be bullied. Um, that's sort of what instigates the whole, the whole plot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely not uh, fat, but he's scrawny, maybe, and geeky by movie adaptation standards, but a pretty normal looking kid. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's another trope for you. Ashley, you got any more trivia? Sure don't. Okay. Well, then that brings us to our last trope. Alert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Here we go again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I can't believe we took this long to address the musical elephant in the room, the award bait song. So this trope is described as if like, in the middle, um, well, it's it's a trademark song that often has a reprise. Um, so the reprise typically is, appears during the end credits. Think Ghostbusters, where does that movie start with the song? It, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Within, this movie straight up opens with the song and then bookends it, no pun intended, pun alert, perfectly with... <laughs> them playing the song again at the end i think in ghostbusters it's like a minute and a half or two minutes in either Mm -hmm. way it really sets the tone it gets you super hyped up for the movie i was actually looking forward to hearing the song and i didn't have to wait long (laughs) as soon as we (laughs) pressed play and got through the uh the production logos it was on so let's hear let's hear a recent reimagination of that song Oh yeah. So good. (laughs) I like how Dustin and Susie lean more into the ah ah, ah, than they do in the movie. Um, Although I did notice, or it did occur to me when watching this movie, because we're so um, zeroed in on dates for new release '84. This movie came out July 20th, 1984. Stranger Things season three is set in 1984 on July 4th, leading Mm. up to July 4th. So fail. I guess I don't like it. Yeah, I guess I don't like Stranger Things anymore. No, (laughs) I'm glad that they I'm glad that they took a little a couple week creative license to have the characters have like they come back from Dustin comes back from summer camp and that the, in the, in the stranger things universe, that movie, like they saw that movie together at mm-hmm. summer camp were led to believe and like bonded over it. So it's a beautiful, beautiful moment and a beautiful show. Um, it sucks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Moving <laughs> <just> on. Kidding. <laughs> Let's do rank the blank. Master Falco, master, we have to Hang on tight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I right. love him so much. Yeah. <laughs> what a voice on Falcor. So our rank the blank this week, uh, where we take a really um, hard-hitting topic and decide what deserves the top spot is best movie dog. Inspired, of course, by Falcor, who may or may not be a dog. Um, <laughs> it's almost certainly a dragon, but enough of a dog in appearance for us to um, <laughs> honor him in this list. So we'll circle back to Falcor because we've had plenty of um, uh, time to talk about him. But Ashley, why don't you uh, lead us into our next one? Sure. So he's one of my top picks. He's the Beast, who's a giant English Mastiff from the Sandlot. The dog's named actually named Hercules, but the kids are terrified of him, and it's amazing. So, in a few weeks, the pup grew into the Beast, and he grew big, and he grew mean, so that he could protect the junkyard with only one thing on his mind, to kill everyone that broke in. And he did. And he did. Somebody get that good uh, pop filter. (laughs) Yeah. He's actually... um, so in the movie, just a, another trivia from this movie, um, he's controlled by, he's like uh, a puppet for most of the movie. And he's controlled by two or three people. Oh. He's not actually, actually a dog. But I feel like it still kind of counts because there is a dog version of him in the movie as well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, good segue from 
giant flying dog to giant another another giant <laughs> dog choice um two of derek's choices were uh both golden retrievers coincidentally do you have a history with golden retrievers derek don't okay aside <laughs> from film they are like that's kind of the classic movie dog so buddy the golden retriever from Airbud, known for being a master of like every sport by now yep basically and even sports in space from what i understand have mm -hmm. y'all seen any of the Airbud movies i think i saw the first one but then i looked him i looked it up the other day and there's a billion other ones like he spikes the ball he he plays basketball obviously and there's like a billion other sports yeah i was like what can you not do if we were awarding best movie dog based on the movie title puns mm. golden receiver i don't know any of the other ones off the top of my head yeah. but they're they're all money um <laughs> and then shadow the golden retriever from homeward bound shadow oh peter i worried about you so Oh. What a great dog voice. <laughs> <laughs> old man. Peter, you're okay. Well, he is old. Peter, oh, I'm so happy. Oh, man. Aww. So there's three animals in Homer and Bound. It's a different dog, and then it's a cat that comes back, and then the kid is, like, standing on a hillside, waiting, waiting, no shadow, <laughs> no shadow, and then finally, shadow appears. So if anything, he's known for... Uh, endurance and long uh, and loyalty so good traits in a dog mm -hmm. um, speaking of endurance <laughs> we have Bo the lead sled dog from Iron Will um, I wanted to include this one because huskies are just beautiful dogs um, close cousins to uh, my character from the movie the wolf um, also my character. yeah also related to your next uh, dog choice Ashley yeah, so I choose Nanook from the Ala who is an Alaskan Malamute from the Lost Boys, and I choose him because have you seen the Lost Boys, Drew? Yeah, but I had to look up the dog part. I mean, that's a pretty fleeting <laughs> moment in the movie, right? Yeah, but do you know? You know, it's made in '87, right? Just mm -hmm. saying, the best year ever. Oh, why is it the best <laughs> year ever? Because I was born then. Oh. <laughs> um, but Nanook basically um, he belongs to Sam, the main character. And he protects him from his brother when his brother's starting to turn into a vampire. So, Basically, yeah, in the movie, he serves as like something's. This happens a lot in movies, actually. A mm -hmm. dog will notice that if this someone it happens a lot in werewolf movies, of course, go figure. But yeah. if um in vampire movies or any kind of yeah, dogs can sense. I watched Twister last night randomly. <laughs> there's like there's a dog in every movie or ninety percent of movies, and that dog um starts kind of like sniffing out tornadoes so mm. dogs do have a sixth sense which can be used for good and evil um <laughs> everyone knows cujo from cujo a um <laughs> a rabid dog uh that's that's sort of one of the most famous uh bad dogs in, in movie history although you know not bad for any reasons that he can control and same sort of applies to the dog Max, um, a genetically altered Mastiff from Man's Best Friend, which I also watched this week. I think um, this clip will sum it up better than me. It's not your typical dog. He's a genetic crossbreed. Get him, Max! Oh, God. Sight, hearing, strength, stamina, the ability to climb with Jaguar-like agility. What I'm trying to tell you is that in the right hands, Max can save thousands of lives. But in the wrong hands, in the wrong hands, it can be a deadly weapon. You just pepper sprayed the dog. Damn. Yeah. It's scaring our it's scaring our space puppy. This movie was awesome, by the way. Um, I can't believe uh, I picked it though because Max, like a jaguar, um, climbs a tree just straight up the trunk and um, eats a cat hole. He eats a cat hole or eats a cat hole? He eats the whole cat. Yeah, eats a whole cat like in two bites. Um, like a like a python or something. Um, but it's because the kids told him to. So he's actually a mostly good, loyal dog, but like they explained in the clip, um, if if you know bad people interact with him, he's 
extremely homicidal. And then if bad people sort of uh, try to control him, that can have uh, very, very life-threatening uh, repercussions. Aww. Ashley, uh, what's our next one? So not an evil dog at all. Uh, <laughs> I went with Elvis the Basset Hound from Don't Tell the Mom You're, the Babysitter's Dead. And he just chills with his owner, watches TV, eats his dog bone, like just hangs out. He's just like one of those typical mm-hmm. good dogs. <laughs> you like Basset Hounds? They're pretty cute. And the one in, the, in this movie doesn't like howl a lot, which is nice. So <laughs> Does anyone? <laughs> oh, there we go. Does anyone else like Basset Hounds? <laughs> Derek? <laughs> Hey guys, <laughs> Derek is surrounded by a brood of uh, what five <laughs> basset hounds, right? Yeah, five basset hounds right now. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that when we were uh... not not even like joking. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got five basset hounds circling me right now. Well, I guess if you don't, if we don't give this one strong consideration, Derek might be in trouble. So take that mm-hmm. for yeah, what it's out. worth. Um, we got a couple more real quick to get through. Uh, Scooby Doo. Where are you? What's cool about him? Mm. I don't mean that as like a challenge. I just anybody anybody have a soft spot for Scooby? Yeah, I do for sure. Yeah. Does he actually solve the mysteries? I never was into Scooby Doo. He accidentally solves mysteries by like bumping into a wall and then it it's it like opens. a secret path. Yeah. And then him and, and Shaggy always accidentally help solve the day or solve the mystery uh, to okay. save the day. So everyone knows Shaggy is a huge stoner in the mystery mm-hmm. van and Scooby's main character trait. I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here is just that he eats a lot. He's like a Garfield. <laughs> I mean, dogs. that's, I think him and Shaggy hang out in the van a lot. Right. In hot box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ruff, yeah, every, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I looked for some clips and it was mostly just him eating. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> We've got another one, um, another Derek selection here. Zero, the ghost dog from Nightmare Before Christmas. That's kind of a, a fun outside the box choice. It's a ghost. <laughs> it's not a dog. dog. It's a ghost dog. dog. It's also um, Rudolph the red nosed ghost dog. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> I don't have. I just don't have anything to say about sure. that. Actually, what's uh, what's your next one? So my next one is from the Labyrinth, one of movies you talked about earlier. And it's mm-hmm. and he has this cowardly old sheep, English sheepdog, and I love him so much. Forward, oh, steady, steady boy. Come on, Ambrosius. Just close your eyes and go. Do the parts. Yeah. Let's get out of here. So that scene is where he has um, he has this the mount is called Sir Didymus on him. He's like a little creature, and he rides him through the smelly bog, and he saves him. So very cute. I like him. He's pretty cute. The last one we have on our list is 101 choices mm-hmm. <laughs> Dalmatians. <laughs> I only I wanted to include this one because it's an iconic dog movie. Obviously, um, they Dalmatians are a iconic breed. Um, our first dog was a half Dalmatian, right? Yeah, Sunny, super yeah. fat. <laughs> yeah, so half light on the Dalmatian, heavy on the uh, the, the, the other part. <laughs> but Dalmatians are like just sort of a iconic breed, and you get a hundred and one of them. Would you want? Derek has five dogs right now, um, and you have one space puppy. How would you like a hundred and one space puppies with three heads? That's like three hundred and three heads to feed. No. <laughs> okay. So maybe that one's out. Um all right, those are all of our selections. Ashley, what are you leaning towards? Well, and why? Sure. So before we get into that, I just wanted to go through what Instagram had to say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so any guesses to what the favorite dog was? And this was this was like an open-ended question, right? Yeah, any dog yeah. you want to name from any movie. Hmm. There was one that had Benji or like something obvious. I don't know. So instead of Shadow from Home Around, it was actually Chance. Dude, okay. Oh. You know what? So Drew <laughs> Drew chose Shadow for me. Chance was actually the dog that I liked more. Oh, now you like Oops. him the best. I was going to interject <laughs> that I was like, I'll just let it, you know, fly. So Chance, but yeah, so Chance was the winner. And then Runner and the other two like main votes were Beethoven and Airbud. And then honorable mentions were like Balto, which I forgot about, Max mm. from the Grinch, and Toto. 
or some of them. That's awesome. I mean, Max from the Grinch is a good one. Yeah, yeah it's a really a good, good one. one. I, I that's it's really interesting that um, I guess Homeward Bound isn't a big wasn't a big movie for me. So uh, yeah, when I was just searching clips, I <laughs> I thought that clip was funny, and they said the name of the the dog in it, so it worked. But <laughs> Chance meant nothing nothing to me. I was more concerned with the the cat that came back, which is like named squishy or something I can't sassy remember. sassy yeah squishy yeah <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> oh wait no i'm thinking of the cat that gets eaten um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> max devour squishy um so okay cool well the the crowd has spoken and it's definitely not shadow <laughs> no so, so what are where are you leaning i'm leaning for the alaskan malamute nanook from the lost voice protector fierce yeah. loyal easy choice for me i of your choices that's uh, aesthetically and and dog you know the qualities of uh huskies and alaskan malamutes who i mm -hmm. assume have similar yep uh, characteristics uh, are some, some of my favorite dogs so i'm with you there i mean the reason i picked evil dogs is because you know i'm, I'm not trying to rain on this segment's parade but i'm not a dog person i'm a cat person not a dragon Ew. not a dragon <laughs> person um falcor is pretty impressive um beautiful pearly scales in addition to a luscious coat mm -hmm. um if you're just looking for a dog with the most varied skill set i am gonna have to go with max from man's best friend who <laughs> Sadly, gets shotgunned in the in the stomach at the end of the movie. Spoiler. I'm sure um, he deserved it. But in typical horror movie fashion, he has really um, loud, orgasmic sex with um, a off screen, of course, with another dog. And yeah. the movie ends with Heidi, um, the dog, having a litter of little like I don't know. They're like a, a long, straight-haired dog, but there's one baby Max in the litter. Um, oh it looks gosh. nothing like the other ones so i'm gonna pick max's offspring um, okay. as mine sure. derek do you want to weigh in or break the tie i've got to go with our our fans it's chance from home yeah. bound he's just silly and kind of an airhead but he's a great friend and a good Aww. companion that's a good call yeah mm -hmm. so i think chance wins because we've got derek's vote and then we've yeah. got the crowd vote um, so Ashley and I are outnumbered. Uh, before we sign off on Rank the Blank this week, we had one last uh, shout out to Baxter from my favorite movie. Yeah, Drew's favorite movie. It <laughs> yep. is great, though. It got our dog! It got the Baxter! Oh, man. That's, that's the opening to... Uh, to ginger snaps and it leads right from there into the sisters like a uh, suicide montage that they created for a class project so yep man if we ever do 2000 on new release <laughs> i'll be uh, waiting all year for that for ginger snaps to show up let's um let's close things out with a few final topics so ashley how many if any saturn awards this must have won some Saturn Awards, which is the award uh, body dedicated to like genre filmmaking. Yeah, dedicated to science fiction, fantasy, and horror. There we go. Um, so it won Best Performance by a Young Actor by Noah Hathaway. Which is that Bastion or Atreyu? That's Atreyu. Interesting. Who did mm -hmm. you think was better? I actually thought the Empress was the best. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, she didn't, she, but she's in, in it for one scene. <laughs> but she's so good. No, I, I I agree. She could have been recognized somehow. Um, that I was I didn't look it up. Was she anybody that turned out that went on to be famous or have no, a career? No, so she didn't have another movie, which I don't remember what the movie was called until twenty four years later. Okay, so. wow. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like Natalie Portman, but I mean, I knew it wasn't, but somebody yeah. that had a career like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, let's yeah. try you. And then it also had some German film awards for best production design. Bavarian Film Awards for Best Production. So did pretty well um, in the awards, which is nice. What about the Ashley Awards? So I'll give it two awards. Mm. Um, one award is based on this dumb sphinx. Um, 
and it's called the, it's called the boobs not wanted award oh yeah and then another award is just i think it's a dog <laughs> okay it's settled yeah <laughs> what was the final um result of our poll i think you did you say it earlier i said it earlier yeah so 71 percent oh 71%. said it was a dog yeah yeah so he definitely qualified mm-hmm. um my favorite prop was not the five thousand pound behemoth 43 foot <laughs> falcor because that that's not exactly a background prop um actually cheated a little bit in the hold. so bastion um after he steals the book the fantasy book that's more than a book uh runs to school and he's got a math test so rather than go to class he sneaks off to the attic of the school where he finds a, a key to it and it's the coolest like <laughs> little get a uh, school hideaway that you could imagine it's got uh exposed raptors and skeletons and these like um plate windows and some kind of like wire cage thing um so a very haunting but cool uh setting for him to read the book in because the story kind of hinges on these cut cutaways back to bastion it takes place 80 90 percent of the time in fantasia world but mm-hmm. it cuts back frequently to to Bastion. So, was it in an attic, or was it more like a prop area for the like for the theater? Well, it said attic on the the key. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, right. Like there's a busted uh, key holder, and above it it says attic. So. Oh, nice. Okay, context clues. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it but but yeah, the that doesn't explain why there's like random. The skeletons were for science class, probably. It was where they're keeping like school supplies very yeah very (laughs) creepy ones yeah um let's move on to uh how 80s is this 1984 release on a scale of one to 84 we got sound outfits hair etc what do you think ashley um very scientific so based in the fantasy world there's a theme song yep there's not a lot of cgi there's a cool like handmade set design yep Pretty 80s actors, not so much. Uh, they didn't really go on to do a lot. I'm gonna go with ooh, 72. Spielberg was involved tang- tangentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 72 is fair. Um, it's helpful. We need to keep a better running log of our previous scores because it's helpful to kind of like compare okay. it to past ones. This is up there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, a movie that only would have been made <laughs> in the eighties. <laughs> I mean, like only made in this way. Um, the sounds right from the opening credits and and yeah, all the set design. I would say mid seventies, so seventy five or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, where do you want to weigh in at? Twenty five for the animatronics. Okay. Okay. Uh, Twenty five for the school. Fifty. And like yeah. yeah, there we go. And then uh, the intro scene with his dad, mm. uh, oh, that's another okay. 15. So okay. that's really all 65. I could tie, tie to 84. 65. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's the score is, well, it is very, yeah, everything's very 80s, but not in, there's just, there's subgenres within the 80s of like synthy stuff and, and um, lighting. I guess I always, I kind of view the eighties through a horror lens and this is definitely not checking the same boxes, but um, we are pretty high up on the scale. So Ashley, um, we had all seen this movie before, so we can ask this question properly. Do you recommend a rewatch or something else? A rewatch. It was great. I loved it. And my friends that watched it with us um, loved it as well. Had they all seen it? So one of them had, and she had this funny story about when she was growing up, she said that this guy was doing a science like fair project or some type of like survey or something was asking all the kids like their favorite TV show. And she said the never ending story and she got made fun of. She's like, it's not a TV show. So uh-huh. she was already sold before. I know, which is really mean, um, but she was already sold on that before we watched it. And the other one never saw it and she loved it. So, wow. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I, I I guarantee that the reason I liked it was not because of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I agree. I recommend a rewatch or a first time watch. Um, Derek, what do you think? I recommend a rewatch for sure. 
um, going back to that initial or that intro scene with him, uh, Sebastian or mm-hmm. Bastion. Bastion. Bastion and his dad. Apparently his mom died. They really didn't talk too much about that, but I feel like the nothingness was like mm. some, some sort of metaphor for what, how he was feeling about not having his mom anymore. Yeah. I mean, mm. uh, I want to kind of rewatch and see if I could tie things oh, it, together more. It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, the, the only the thing that um, threw me is uh, y'all brought that up twice. And uh, I missed that because there was a, <laughs> a, a pretty scary bike accident outside of my window the second I pressed play. <laughs> um, well, the second that um, I started the movie. <laughs> Dang it! Um, you messed up. <laughs> um, if in real life I was starting the podcast, there was a bike accident outside my window, and I totally forgot about that scene. So it's crazy that they started the movie on that note, but it makes perfect sense that uh, it's consistent with the the heaviness of the rest of the movie. So mm-hmm. there are sequels to this movie um which i don't know if a lot of people have seen them there this movie is as ashley mentioned only covers half of the story of the book um so they made the second one to cover the rest of the the story in the book and then they made a third one for the hell of it that is a new a new story that that uh, wasn't written so different, different cast though because they were too old so yeah jonathan uh Landis, I think is his name. Um, he was in uh, Sidekicks and Ladybugs. Yeah, um, I, I watched the trailer, and yeah, he's he's a very familiar actor from the early '90s. He's in the second one. Actually, you haven't seen any of these sequels, right? So I've seen the second one, but oh, I really okay. don't remember it. Yeah, so I can't offer that much into it. But yeah, I'm assuming one. it was uh, it was definitely a flop, and I'm assuming it was probably not as good uh, in terms of quality uh either so yeah this is i just to kind of wrap things up i mean i was worried that it was just going to be kind of slow and lackluster Mm -hmm. and it couldn't have been more um of a pleasant surprise so should we come up with a way to um represent this in the new release wax museum yes Yes. all right (laughs) What, what should we make a bust of Falcor, duh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe Falcor with like a Bastion head and a Treo head and then just a bunch sure. of yeah. <laughs> reading it. Oh, with glasses on reading a book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Done. Falcor reading. He does kind of have a, a stately reading voice. Mm-hmm. Um, the poster, which a different version of, no, I think it is the poster version I described earlier along the bottom of it. It just kind of like has all the different characters in boxes. So maybe we need a whole diorama of yeah, um, sure. of your rock biter, my yes. wolf, um, Derek's Falcor, and yeah, humans. No humans. Yeah, we could <laughs> we could probably do without them. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, f- that's cool. We finally get to um to Yay. induct someone into the museum. <laughs> That's going to be it for Never Ending Story, but we've got a really exciting movie for next week. Yes. Needs no introduction. Prince in his first motion picture. Before he created the music, he lived every bit of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Really? For the one thing <laughs> that meant everything. His music. Is that him playing guitar? Prince. Probably. The story. Motorcycles, guitars. The struggle. Purple. <laughs> the purple. The rain. The purple. The movie. <laughs> the movie. Oh, God rain. dang, Prince, bro. Yeah. I'm so pumped. Our space puppy is a little hungry. Oh, yeah. Well, he, yeah. he ate the front tire off my scooter. Well, only one of them did. <laughs> he had a big did. belly. 
one yeah, of the one of it did. Why did you need a you need a track to feed all three heads? Um, <laughs> Purple rain next week. Um, not since Breakin' or Streets of Fire have we had such a musical, a musical attraction. So, it confession. I'll say my confession for next week. How We've excited seen it are y'all? Twenty five times. I'm really excited. I am really excited as well. I don't think I've seen this entire film. Maybe snippets. Never seen it. Okay. Well, now we're jumping the gun on confessions. So sorry. If you want to hear the rest of that and so much more, subscribe to the podcast by searching new release 1984 on Spotify or Apple. That's a wrap. Ha ha ha.